Welcome to A to D Sports Powered as always uh, by the Bet MGM app. I'm Austin Stanley. He is Sam Phelan, our Titans reporter for A to Z Sports.com. And we are Nashville's on demand sports.network going live weekday mornings at 8 Central Time on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Links to the show segment by segment on our Twitter X timeline. Also hit us up on Instagram, TikTok, and Threads for more great Titans content. We got to thank our sponsors because they make it happen uh, for us and they help out all of you. Like Wilson County Hyundai, make them a part of your new car buying process in Lebanon or WilsonCountyHyundai.com. The Bone and Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. Farm Bureau Health Plans, get better with Farm Bureau Health Plans at FBHP.com slash ATOZ. And Krebs Kubota, an elite Kubota dealer with three great locations across the mid-state, Columbia, Murfreesboro, and in Franklin online at KrebsKubota.com. So the Titans did make another coaching staff hiring yesterday. Nothing's been really official uh, outside of the two offense, the offensive and the defensive coordinator, but nothing's really been official. I, I do expect more of that to become officially official by the Titans next week. Uh, so keep ahead on a swivel for that. We'll talk about Bo Hardegree, the Titans quarterback coach, but Sam Titans at two was going to be yesterday afternoon until we had a different opportunity present itself. And so now Titans at two will be this afternoon at two o'clock. And I'll let you do a little uh, promotion here of what you got cooking up for Titans at two later on today. I think you're muted. There we go. There we, we're good now. All right. So start, uh, you have to start over now. What Titans are you cooking at, up for Titans at two today at two o'clock? <laughs> yeah, a little bit uh, different. Like you said, it's going to be today instead of a Thursday. Uh, and, uh, an informal, like just different, right? I'm not going to be talking to the chat. Instead, I'm going to be talking to Titans running back Tajay Spears for Titans at two today. Tajay is uh, out in Las Vegas with his dad for Super Bowl 58, enjoying the festivities, uh, just enjoying his very first Super Bowl. Uh, but I had a chance to sit down with Tajay and recap his rookie season with the Titans, talk about learning from Derrick Henry, talk about you know, what changes to his game he might be making moving forward. And uh, yeah, so it was a good sit down with Tajay Spears. That is coming up for Titans at two. So anybody who uh, normally tunes in, plan on two o'clock still. It's going to roll just like a regular uh, version of Titans at two. I just, I won't be live. I will be with Tajay Spears instead. Yep. So Sam with Tajay Spears, Titans rookie running back, had a really solid rookie season and uh i think tajay i'm just gonna tease it tajay might have some news it's yeah. like a, it's like tajay's teasing some news but it's he's like teasing a potential news that he might yeah. be that he's considering that he's thinking about um it's i mean it's a good interview it, not too terribly long you're not gonna have to sit through like this big long thing but uh Tajay's one of the more fun personalities in the Titans locker room, I think. Uh, he's a guy that, as he comes out of his shell a little bit, like knows how to have a lot of fun. It, hard not to smile when you're talking with him. So, yeah, it, it's it's a nice little – nice to catch up with Tajay Spears, who, uh, by the way, I was just kind of scrolling through Twitter looking at Tajay Spears and what people had been, had been saying about him recently – is like maybe the most popular name across the league right now as a breakout candidate for 2024. Like everybody that's in a dynasty fantasy football league is like, 
yo, got to go get Tajay Spears on your team. So uh, certainly potentially a future face of this franchise. Yeah. Yeah. So that's coming up and somebody asked like, it, it's not live. Well, it, no, because Tajay had limited interview window time. So Sam got to talk to Tajay yesterday. We will play it and it will feel live. So you guys will still get a live notification that A to Z and, and Sam are talking to Tajay Spears. So not live, but it'll still feel live to make sure that everybody gets a notification of when that comes out. We've got several people guessing uh, what that news might be. Orlando says, is he going into business with Stonehouse? Uh, no, uh, I don't think Tajay Spears sure. is going to become a real estate agent with Titans punter Ryan Stonehouse, which is a story that we broke a week ago, Friday night, Sam, uh, that we put that together and got some, some context from Stonehouse himself. I did see this Morgan Cox Titans long snapper also in that same real estate business with Ryan Stonehouse, but Tajay Spears, at least not as of now, he is not jumping in the real estate game with Ryan Stonehouse and Morgan Cox yet. No, not yet. We'll see who knows what Tajay's <laughs> career has in store for him. So, right. All right. So Sam, let's talk about this new often, uh, this new offensive assistant hire. Bo Hardegree is going to be brought in, as the Titans' new quarterback coach, here's his resume. Uh, he started his career as a college quarterback uh, in Tennessee uh, with the Vols from 03 to 06. He's from Jackson, Tennessee. I saw, I think it was Clayton in the chat saying he's from uh, his hometown. So Jackson, Tennessee native, played at Tennessee, got his coaching start as a GA uh, under David Cutcliffe, longtime Vols assistant, then Duke head coach. was an intern with LSU. Then it got into the NFL and never looked back is when he was with the Denver Broncos as a quality control. Then he went with Chicago Bears offense, offensive assistant, was with uh, Ryan Tannehill in Miami as the quarterback's coach in the New York Jets uh, there afterwards, the New England Patriots, and then spent the last couple of years with the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think he's a quarterback's coach with the Titans. But this past year was a quarterback's coach for the Raiders but when Josh McDaniels gets fired, uh, Bo Hardegree was elevated to the interim offensive coordinator and called plays this past season. So, Sam, when you saw this information come down, you had been doing some work middle of the week of like, all right, who were some quarterback coach options with connections to Brian Callahan or maybe Nick Holes? And, you know, Bo Hardegree had those connections, but it was a lot further back maybe than we had expected. But what are your uh, thoughts on? the hiring of Bo Hardegree as Titans quarterback coach here. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, as far as like what was out there, I'm not sure he's my first choice specifically, uh, but I'm also pretty happy with the hire overall because I'm pretty happy with the experience. Um, quite honestly, he's probably more qualified to be an offensive coordinator than Nick Holes is. So uh, same you know, thought. like, it's like, Oh, you mean an interim offensive coordinator that's been a quarterback's coach for like five years and has all these relationships? Like to me, that's a guy that I'm like, oh, let's make him the offensive coordinator. Yeah, one maybe. guy has called plays in the NFL. The head yeah. coach and the offensive coordinator have not. Right. <laughs> like that's the Bo Hardegree has called way more plays. I think it's like for five or six games than uh, Brian Callahan and Nick Holtz. Yeah, it was actually nine games that he called nine. plays because he was, uh, yeah, he was elevated to offensive coordinator with the Raiders on Halloween of last year. So the final nine games of the season, 
he was their play caller, uh, which, yeah. So I'm all for adding somebody to a coaching staff that has had play calling experience and has done some good things as a play caller. Some things that I noted uh, when Bo Hardegree got hired, things that he did with the Raiders just after being promoted to offensive coordinator, interim offensive coordinator. He won five games with Aiden O'Connell as his starting quarterback. They went five and four after he took over as the offensive coordinator. They averaged about 23 points per game, which I know is not going to blow anybody away. But when you realize that in the first eight games of the season, the Raiders scored 20 once and averaged 15.7 points per game, that jump to 23 now looks a lot more impressive of just making the most of, of the pieces to his offense. And, oh, yeah, still Aiden O'Connell as a quarterback. And, by the uh, way, a whole touchdown per game better, right? Right. The Raiders committed zero turnovers in six of the nine games that uh, Bo Hardegree was the offensive coordinator. Before he took over, they had at least one turnover in every single game. In the first eight they were eight for eight in turning the ball over. Three of nine, they had a turnover in games that uh, Hardegree was the offensive coordinator. Oh, and they dropped 60 points on the Chargers. That was just like a fun little note that we all remember, which does skew the points per game. I will give you that. Uh, but but he also had a zero-point game. Like the Raiders did lose game. three to zero to the Vikings and then turned around and hung 63 on the Chargers. Yeah, and so, I mean, let's we can throw up the resume here one more time, Austin, but uh, like – you see the quarterbacks coach with Miami for three years. So that's working with Ryan Tannehill, the uh, younger, healthier Ryan Tannehill. That's working with Jay Cutler as well, mm -hmm. uh, who I think is a, maybe not the perfect Will Levis comp. I definitely think there's a lot of differences there, but Cutler was definitely known for his big arm and, and wanting to take shots down the field. Uh, he was also the quarterbacks coach for Derek Carr in Las Vegas, another guy who likes to air the ball out. So, I, I mean, he has some experience working with established franchise quarterbacks, it, maybe not the Hall of Famers, right, that Brian Callahan had with Peyton Manning and, like, the start of Joe Burrow's career. But Derek Carr, Jay Cutler, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, these are the types of dudes that uh, Bo Hardegree has worked with. And you add his relationship to uh, uh, Brian Callahan in here, you add the pandering to the Vols fans in here. Gotta love a good pander of bringing in a former Vols QB. Right. Not actually well, something I care about, but overall, no. like, you know, there's a lot but, here. But here's the here's the connection. Sam, you and I talked about this yesterday after the news came out of Bo Hardegree being the Titans coach, and it's connecting the dots. All right, how did this happen? Well, 2014 Broncos staff, Brian Callahan and Bo Hardegree on that staff. Peyton Manning at the Pro Bowl talking all these great things about Brian Callahan like he did last year at the Pro Bowl, talking all these great things about new GM Rand Carthon. Well, you do the connecting of the dots even deeper. Bo Hardigree, as I mentioned, got his coaching career started from David Cutcliffe at Duke as a graduate assistant. When Bo Hardigree was in college at Tennessee, David Cutcliffe was the offensive coordinator for a, few, a couple of those years with Bo Hardigree on the, on the roster. And David Cutcliffe was... Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator at Tennessee and was Eli Manning's head coach at Ole Miss. And that's where the two Mannings, while in the pros, especially later in their careers, they would go back to Duke 
and practice in the offseason year after year after year. And Bo Hart agreed being a GA on that Duke staff with that David Cutcliffe connection. I don't know if that's how Hardegree found his way to the Broncos staff in 2014 was because of the seeds that were planted at Tennessee and at Duke with Cutcliffe and Peyton Manning too. But I feel like that's the roadmap of how Bo Hardegree got going. And that's how they connected with Callahan. And here we are a decade later, the guys are you know, one guy's hiring the other as his quarterback coach. And I think, I think Bo Hardegree is fairly qualified to be the, the quarterback coach for this staff. I, totally. as you said, I agree. He, he feels Similarly qualified to Nick Holtz, uh, but Nick Holtz has a higher ranking position. No, like you could, if, if Bo Hardegree was the offensive coordinator here, like, yeah, maybe you have an, an alarm bell going off being like, yeah, is this guy qualified? Is this guy ready? I'm definitely underwhelmed. But when you're talking about a quarterback coach, I mean, it, it, it really doesn't get more qualified than being a previous quarterback coach that's had Oh, uh, that's worked with some quarterbacks that are probably some decent comps to the guy you're going to be working with in Tennessee and having called plays. Um, I, I think it makes me feel better about having Nick Holtz as the OC to have a guy that has a little bit more experience here as this quarterback's coach and is a former quarterback. Uh, mm -hmm. It's actually surprising how many, when I was trying to do some research, Austin, about some of the quarterback coach candidates, how many of them just didn't play quarterback, but have like worked with tight ends or worked with running backs or worked with quarterbacks in the past. I like that. It's a former quarterback. It's somebody who's actually played the position that always helps uh, in my eyes. Yeah. And so you mentioned uh, that under Bo Hardigree in nine games, the Raiders averaged a touchdown more per game uh, in those nine games that he was calling plays. And that was with Aiden O'Connell and a no name rookie where you saw Brian Callahan take Jake Browning, uh, a guy who hadn't really done anything in the NFL, and they put up 27 or, or more points, uh, I believe four times out of seven games with the Cincinnati Bengals when Joe Burrow went down. And so now you have these two coaches who have proven track records of taking young quarterbacks with little to no experience and have them play above their abilities. Because I think there's no disagreeing that Aiden O'Connell and Jake Browning were put in positions last season to play beyond their abilities of a quarterback, and coaching is how that happens. Yeah, I mean, Aiden O'Connell, right, was somebody, I think he was a fifth-round pick out of Purdue, that uh, I had heard a lot of buzz about during training camp, uh, just with people around the league saying, hey, this guy could be uh, good. Like, the Raiders might have found something here. They might have found their future guy. But – as far as and and that still could be true. Like I think there is a world where the Raiders, uh, you know, Aiden O'Connell is their quarterback this year, takes a step forward, proves to be their future guy. But for him as a rookie to kind of step in as, by the way, the third string, the Raiders went to Brian Hoyer before they went to Aiden O'Connell. They mm -hmm. uh, lost Jimmy Garoppolo, and the first guy they turned to was Brian Hoyer. Then they said, all right, let's get the rookie in there. So to go five and four with that guy and have a competent offense uh, is a huge testament to the adaptability of a coaching staff uh, and a huge credit to the offensive coordinator because, hey, we talked about this during the head coaching search. 
I'm like as low on Antonio Pierce as you can possibly get as far as like a, a head coach candidate is concerned. He's a defensive guy with, in my eyes, like almost no experience that makes him qualified to be an NFL head coach. So that's your head coach. Like everything on the offense was on Bo Hardegree's shoulders here. Uh, and so five and four, hey, that's not too shabby, man. Yeah. Hey, uh, Karen, thanks to you. Thanks for doing my work for me. Before I ask, like the show. Yeah. Uh, not too shabby there uh, for what Bo Hardegree did with the Raiders. All right. So, Sam, let's ask the chat a question here now. How do you grade the hire of Titans QB coach Bo Hardegree? How do you grade the hire of Titans QB coach Bo Hardegree? I think Sam and I did our best to lay out the resume for what Bo Hardegree is and has been as an NFL assistant coach. How do you grade this hire initially? Uh, we'll get to your comments in a second. But first, uh, Farm Bureau Health Plans is where you should turn for all of your health coverage needs. Farm Bureau Health Plans, their whole goal is to get you in a better situation with your coverage and how it's set up for your family, whatever your situation is. If it's just you out there trying to conquer the world and you need health coverage to make sure you've got that as your safety net, that's where Farm Bureau Health Plans comes in. They've served Tennesseans for 76-plus years and 200 plus locations across the entire state. So you can find a Farm Bureau Health Plans location that best suits you. Or all you got to do is go online and go to fbhp.com slash ATOZ and get started there with a quote and how you can set that up uh, for you to make that health coverage better, save money, and get better coverage. It's the best of both worlds. Farm Bureau Health Plans can do that. Once again, fbhp.com slash ATOZ. Today's show is powered by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. The big game is coming up on Sunday. Austin and I are going to have some picks for you later on, so stay tuned for that to see uh, what's sticking out to us on BetMGM. Uh, between the big game, between the Chiefs and the 49ers, if you are looking to do some sports betting on the game, make sure you use the bonus code ATOZ Sports on BetMGM, and you can get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win, that's right. First bet loses, no worries. That money can go back into your account in the form of a bonus bet. And a second chance to win big is coming your way, courtesy of BetMGM. It's why they're the king of sportsbooks, and it's why you need to use them if you, like us, have a pick for the big game on Sunday. All right, so Sam, I will send you to the chat. We still need more likes. It got better, but we still need more likes. Shout out, Karen, for that. But uh, what? how do you grade Bo Hardigree, the Titans' new quarterback coach, who's coming in here from uh, Las Vegas, being the interim offensive coordinator after being the quarterback's coach the last year and a half before then. So, Sam, what are the grades flying through the chat this morning? Chris is at a B. Hello, ladies, is at a D. I see a B from Willie, a minus from Steven, B from Raz, B from Van, F from Devin. Devin's all the way out on it. B plus from Clayton, B from Darius. A minus from Jaron, uh, a solid B, says Guy. So is Grim Jim, Darren, Jermel, Eric, Derek. They're all at B. So is Billy. Raz is at a B minus. Jared says A. Brock says A. Tighten Up says B. Mike says after all of that, after listening to uh, kind of our pitch for Bo Hardegree, he's at a B plus. Jesse says it's most definitely an A. Yuri says it's a C plus. B plus, B to B plus, B B, C plus from Brad, B minus from Chase. 
So Austin, overall, a very positive reception. I think a lot of people right in that B range, uh, give or take B minus B plus half a grade, maybe. Hmm. So Sam, you weren't on the show when we graded the hiring of Nick Holtz, the offensive coordinator, but Jack and I both gave Nick Holtz a C plus. I like Bo Hardigree as a quarterback's coach way more than I like Nick Holtz as an offensive coordinator, understanding that Brian Callahan's the play caller here. So I go with a B plus for Bo Hardigree as quarterback's coach. This makes sense to me. It fits. There's familiarity, there's youth, there's history playing the position, and there's recent history coaching the position with younger quarterbacks. I think Bo Hardigree makes a ton of sense. You look at the resume, he's worked with young quarterbacks, he's worked with old quarterbacks, he's worked with quarterbacks who have sass like Jay Cutler, he's worked with good, you know, good soldier type quarterbacks like Ryan Tannehill. He's been coached by a quarterback like Peyton Manning, right? Peyton Manning's coaching the quarter, the coaches there when he's in Denver. So I think his versatile background makes me like him quite a bit as a position coach, right? And I think we both said it. He's more qualified to be an offensive coordinator than the offensive coordinator. So I say B plus is my grade for Bo Hardigree as quarterbacks coach. So I think you and Jack are both way too generous on Nick Holes. Uh, <laughs> Maybe. I'd probably we come definitely gr- We definitely added the understanding he's not calling plays. Uh, look, I said I wanted to give it an F because F is for friends, but I didn't do that. <sighs> it's not wouldn't have been a bad uh, bad choice. Yeah, I'd probably give Nick Holes like a D. Like I, I'm I'm just I'm so underwhelmed by it. And so yeah, you can like cope as a Titans fan if you are uh you know just being like hey it's Brian Callahan's offense everything's gonna be okay uh and there is a lot of truth to that I do think that is like overall very true but it doesn't mean you still shouldn't uh strive for more strive for an impact offensive coordinator that can offer something unique and not just be the friend of your head coach so I'm at like a D on Nick Holes I'll give Bo Hardigree a B minus which is about as good as I can do. And, and I, I, yeah, I said a lot of nice things about him. I, I overall am happy with the hire. The reason I'm not at a B or a B plus is because quite frankly, I'd rather have Charles London still. And so okay. uh, there is a level of me that's like, okay, this isn't horrible. Like, uh, sure. I like it. He's done some good things in the past, worked with some good quarterbacks, but I don't feel like the Titans improved at quarterback coach at all. Uh, so I, I can feel okay about Bo Hardigree as an individual and as a coach. Charles London, I think, was really good at what he did. He was very highly sought after this time last year for good reason. Uh, I think he did a good job of getting Will Levis like to be a productive quarterback as a rookie, kind of thrown in unexpectedly. And that continuity and developing that continuity was something that I was really looking forward to and hoping the Titans would keep around. Um, And so perhaps it's not fair, but it is leaking into my grade of Bo Hardigree here as the Titans quarterback coach, because I keep going, why did we get rid of the guy that we had? What are we doing? So, all right. So I I do think um, a comment Curtis says familiarity would have been with Charles London though. No, I don't care honestly, but hopefully dude's a good quarterback coach. And so that's kind of going into what 
Sam was just saying, and, and Curtis came back and says, exactly. Charles sounded like he was doing an awesome job with all the quarterbacks. So from your experience in being around Charles London and the, and the team uh, this past season, what were you seeing from Charles London that gave you that, you know, level of confidence in him doing a good job? I kind of spell that out for us. Yeah, I think Charles London, well, one, not just with the Titans, but at his previous stops as well, has had experience working with young quarterbacks and finding ways to uh, take a young quarterback and continuously improve, like week over week improvement. When he worked with Desmond Ritter in Atlanta, every single week Desmond Ritter played with Charles London as his quarterback's coach, his quarterback rating, while a flawed stat, improved. Like Desmond Ritter got better every single week. And so I saw uh, with Will Levis, I, I feel like Charles London was very good at identifying the weaknesses of his quarterbacks uh, and finding a way to kind of mute those uh, of understanding, hey, Will might not be the best decision maker right now. Uh, and so working with him on taming that down a little bit to not turn the ball over as much. And, and then your explosive pass plays and the big plays you make with your arm end up being that much more, you know, profitable or, or Will was not always great about taking his check downs. He always liked to take the big throw down the field or try and force it at a window. It was something that Charles London talked a lot about when I would speak with him was like, Hey, we like working with Will on, taking what the defense gives to us. And then we see a Miami game where Tajay Spears has 89 receiving yards or something like that. Most of them coming in the second half. Will Levis leads them down the field for two touchdown drives late in the year. Um, I just, I think I, as high as I was on Will Levis last year as a rookie and my confidence in him being the future of the Titans I was even more impressed with how much immediate impact the Titans offense as a whole got the boost that he gave them. And I think there's some credit to Charles London there because uh, I mean, I, Tim Kelly wasn't working too individually with Will Levis. Mike Vrabel, as we know, is a defensive head coach. Mm -hmm. So the quarterback's coach had a big role on that. And I, I just, I really would have liked to see that carry over. So what, if, if the Titans retained Charles London, what would you have given that grade? like a yeah. just like a yeah this was the right move like yeah, yeah bring him back yeah, I, I think i would have said an a as well so i say b plus for both sure. hard degree and i think you know you said b minus for hard degree and you gave nick holtz a d i gave nick holtz a c plus so like the difference between it's splitting so like the difference yeah, somewhere <laughs> like i'm a full letter grade above you're a full letter grade in another level Another, yeah, you know, 1.5 grades. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so there is a, there is a sliding scale that we both like Bo Hardigree more than Nick Holtz. We both would have thought Charles London would have been a slam dunk home run, you know, hole in one birdie, whatever the hell you want to call it higher as quarterback coach. But clearly they didn't go with that. And we don't know the reason why, but I, I, I do see, and you know, tied up Tony says, "Come on, y'all! It's a new staff, and y'all want holdovers." I are if you surprised? Good, if you have good coaches, hold them over. <laughs> like sure, and and I think there's going to be some holdovers, but again, like I think it's Brian Callahan is an offensive guy. I think you're probably more likely to see holdovers on the defensive side of the ball. 
uh, from co- the coaches than you are the offensive side. And because re- remember, Brian Callahan is also a former quarterbacks coach. So now yeah. you've got two guys who are quarterbacks coaches by trade. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to bash Brian Callahan at all for like one hiring a new staff or two hiring his friends even or people he has connections with. It's it's a common common thing for NFL head coaches to do when you're a first time head coach, you bring people you know over with you uh, at least on that first staff, uh, but that doesn't mean that you have to get rid of everybody just for the sake of having new people uh, in the building. And so like Austin you said I think there are going to be some holdovers with this Titan staff. I think there could be some on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, based on the sound of things, Justin Outen is looking like he's going to be back with the Titans as the, the running backs coach and yeah. run game coordinator. Sure. And so in, in my head, I'm a little bit like, well, you could have brought back Charles London too. Like you still got your guys in there, but uh, you know, the guys that had success and that you believe worked really well with the players that, you're trying to maximize the value of uh, maybe that's somebody you want to keep around. All right. So we got a guy in the chat who is very upset, very upset and is one more buddy higher away from being mad at Brian Callahan. So we'll get to that conversation with Sam first. Tell everybody about our great friends at the bone and joint Institute. The Bone and Joint Institute is the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. You don't want to fumble on your recovery, and whatever you get hurt in life, you have to know who to trust. You can absolutely trust our friends over at the Bone and Joint Institute. They're located out in Franklin with a state-of-the-art rehab facility to assist in your recovery and everything all under one roof, so there's no driving everywhere in Middle Tennessee to get to your appointments. I'm talking clinic, rehab, imaging, surgery testing all in one place in Franklin, right off the highway, easy access, a quick drive from anywhere in Nashville. Uh, And like I said, good, reliable care with great doctors as well. So schedule your appointment with our friends at the Bone and Joint Institute at Bone and Joint TN and don't fumble on your recovery, boneandjointtn.org. All right, with BetMGM, we'll talk about it more later, but you can win big with the big game coming up on Sunday. Sam and I are going to have some picks later in for KC and San Fran, but uh, you can always win big with bonus code ATOZ Sports. That gives you a first bet offer that can't be matched, which is up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if that first bet misses. But uh, with the big game, you can use code ATOZ200. You place a $5 money line wager on either team to win on Sunday and you get instantly $158 in bonus bets. Regardless of how that $5 money line wager plays out, it's $158 back in bonus bets instantly when you sign up with BetMGM and our code ATOZ200. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 or older, it's the only new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligible requirements. First online real money wager only. Awards issued in knowledge of bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days. And for problem game sport, call Tennessee Redline 800-889-9789. All right, Sam, so we've gone through the uh, the hiring of Bo Hardegree. We've talked about the hiring of Nick Holtz as offensive coordinator. Devin is about to f- lose his mind. He says, let's call it what it is. Callahan is just hiring his friends. This is not okay. New Todd Downing is loading. I think Devin is in complete overreaction mode. Devin is freaking out because Mike Rabel hired people that he was familiar with and hired friends and people from his coaching past. But like 
this isn't exactly what everything that Brian Callahan is doing, Sam. Like Nick Holtz is 1000% a buddy hire. That is absolutely true. There is no dodging that. Nobody else as an NFL head coach is hiring Nick Holtz as an offensive coordinator in the NFL right now, except for his friend, Brian Callahan from high school. But outside of that, what is it? Like outside of that, what's the buddy hire? The fact that he worked with Bo Hardigree for one year, 10 years ago, <laughs> that's a, that's hiring his friends. Who else is the buddy hire Devin? Like, I know you're apologizing, but Mr. Backpedal, I told Zach this a couple weeks ago, when you're backpedaling, you have to keep your shoulders over your knees so you don't fall back and hurt yourself. So what else is the buddy hire from this? Uh, no, yeah, I agree with that. Like I said, hiring coaches that you have familiarity with is normal. Like every head coach does that when they're a first-time head coach. And I'll say this too. Not everybody on the staff that has been hired so far knows Brian Callahan or has coached under Brian Callahan. Some of them are Rand Carthon connections. Yeah. But they've started to prioritize between Rand and Chad Brinker and, and uh, Brian Callahan. They're trying to prioritize the people they work with, the culture of the organization. Um, and so I think part of the reason that they're hiring people they've worked with before or one of them has some familiarity with is to make sure that the culture fit is correct to surround themselves with what they would consider the right people to instill this family feeling that Brian Callahan felt when he was with Cincinnati. That's ultimately what they're going for. So I did see a comment here as well. It was tighten up Tony saying it's kind of messed up to call it a buddy hire. Uh, it's disrespectful. Um, and so I, I don't know if I would say it's like a disrespectful or anything. Mr. I think it's Jones. wrong to yeah, say yeah. it like calling a, a hire, a buddy hire just because he's worked with so-and-so like, yeah, Brian Callen coached with Tyke Tolbert for one year. Does that make it a buddy hire? No, I don't think so. Nick Coles is one that like that, that yes. is what it is. You can't Mr. Jones it. says, what about his dad? <laughs> no, that's not a dad hire. His that's a dad, hire. like on paper, you could be like, oh, buddy hire. But then I'd be like, well, his dad's one of the best offensive line coaches yeah. in the sport and has been for 15 years. And like any team that has had offensive line problems would poach Bill Callahan if they had the opportunity to. But I'd like your point, right? Nobody in the NFL is hiring Nick Holes as an offensive coordinator. Like the Titans have a connection to Denard Wilson, but everybody wants to hire Denard Wilson as a defensive coordinator. So... I'm glad you brought that up because I was literally about to, uh, you know, about to paste your article in the chat right here because you you brought up about how the Titans were able to land Denard Wilson, one of the hottest assistant coaching candidates, and everybody else was trying to get him too. Like there was a bunch of competition around this guy, and you saw the Titans be able to use relationships to get a state of the art like dude who wants who's wanted across the NFL. And so it is about relationships. Jay says it's all politics. Politics, relationships in this coaching context, is politics in a lot of ways, man. Yeah, like but it, there's a a power struggle of biding your time in a party to become the nominee or climb the ladder and become like the next person. And a lot of coaches do that. They like stay at the assistant level just waiting for that opportunity to be a coordinator and hope they do well enough with that opportunity to become a head coach. And 
and reach the mountaintop of coaching. That is what people do and who you're connected with and who you know potentially elevates you uh, and lack of connections will quickly hurt your uh, ability to get future jobs. And so um, all these people, Nichols, people of the, of that sort are very lucky that Brian Callahan became a head coach and, and he values that relationship. Uh, and so it's a good in if you can get it. it. doesn't mean that Titans fans should be like happy with it or acquainted with it, but let's also be honest, like this is not normal. And, and I pointed this out that, and I'll continue to kind of, point this out right to people who are upset that he hires people he knows like I said every head coach tends to do this where you have a problem like Mike Vrabel versus where you have a normal head coach who's able to have sustained success is the ability to fire your buddy hire to fire your friend if the offense stinks and you have to you have to be able if you're Brian Callahan to identify my buddy Nick my high school teammate Nick isn't getting the job done, we need to move on and bring in somebody who gives some fresh perspective here. If you can't do that, now you have the Mike Vrabel syndrome of sitting there being like, ah, do I fire Todd Downing or do I not? And if I do, I'm just going to bring back somebody who's going to run the exact same system because I know them and we're friends and it's comfortable. That was the Mike Vrabel criticism. It's not the same thing here with Brian Callahan, at least establishing an initial staff in Tennessee that he's comfortable with. There's levels yeah. to it. Yeah. And so uh, Jay brings up that Vrabel's going to Wisconsin to work with his best friend. Culver's right? is so well, good. Um, it, more about his best I, friend. I got distracted by seeing Culver's. I love yeah. Culver's. Uh, yeah, but you know, with the fact that Luke Fickle's the head coach at Wisconsin, that when when Mike Vrabel can't get a job in the NFL because he's too intimidating, or because Mike McCarthy doesn't want to hire him in Dallas because Mike McCarthy thinks Vrabel's a threat to his own job, which I don't disagree with Mike McCarthy's logic there, but he's going to go to his best friend Luke Fickle, best man in each other's wedding, and they're like, "Hey, Vrabel needs something to do this football season. You go work with your best friend, just like Vrabel's been, uh, you know, known to do the other way around too." So look. Having a network is important. I think everybody understands having a network can help get you in other rooms and open doors that maybe couldn't have been opened without having somebody inside that is familiar and comfortable with you. But it's like you put it so nicely. You have to know when to move on and pull the plug on that relationship to not hurt the bigger picture. And, and I, so I think like, so somebody says like, imagine firing your dad. Like, I, I don't think it needs to be this ugly, like, yo, you're fired type of thing. But, you know, if the if we're two years into the Brian Callahan, Bill Callahan era here in Nashville and the offensive line still sucks, uh, you might have to look in the mirror and just be like, hey, dad, this isn't, we know, this isn't working. Like, this it's isn't time, working. Yeah, it's you can time go to go off. in a different direction before it affects my job. And I think people would understand that. I mean, like results speak for themselves at some point. And you well. would think a father saying, yeah, I need to get out of the way of my son's future. <laughs> like, that's yeah. also something that you think would actually go fairly well because, you know, nobody's looking out for their, for somebody like uh, a parent. Uh, sure. so I, I think that's, that might be one of the easiest firings that Brian Callahan might have to make at some point as a head coach. Right. Maybe. Billy Jones says dad would probably say it first. I, 
you know, you'd think so too, because you don't get into coaching without knowing you're going to get fired. You know, like Zach and I got let go from the radio station and people told us, Hey, welcome to the industry. You're not in it until you get let go. And we're like, all right, sounds great. So now we're putting ourselves in the spot to not get fired again by just starting our own company. But yeah, I, I think that's where Bill and Brian Callahan would be able to, to have that common, um, you know, goal in mind. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. So, all right. So Sam, uh, NFL honors, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We got a ton of Titans topics to get to next week when the draft, uh, gets, uh, more deeper into that process, free agency conversations after some Super Bowl reaction, uh, and get more into some co- full coaching staff. I mean, you know, the full coaching staff might be assembled by the end of next week. We'll kind of wait and see how that goes, but let's get to some NFL honors uh, awards. Cause you wanted to have a conversation about the biggest snubs from the NFL honors. So here are the winners from last night, MVP, Lamar Jackson, comeback player of the year, Joe Flacco, defensive player of the year, Miles Garrett, offensive player of the year, Christian McCaffrey, defensive rookie, Will Anderson, offensive rookie, CJ Stroud, both of the Texans and coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski of the Cleveland Browns. So we want to ask you guys, who is the biggest snub out of those awards? Who is the biggest snub out of those awards? First, I'll tell you guys all about Krebs Kubota, where you should get all of your equipment, KrebsKubota.com. That is their website. It's a great website. It's that state of the art uh, there, Jeff, that website, KrebsKubota.com. But they are an elite Kubota dealer, which means they have the best equipment in the industry because of the relationship with the Kubota brand and having the best warranties for set equipment to go along with it. Also with three locations across the mid state, it is right there for your convenience in Murfreesboro, Columbia, and in Franklin Krebs Kubota, a family owned and operated company who strives to have a fantastic reputation with customer service and hard work that I've seen firsthand from talking with these guys over the last year or so. Uh, with Krebs Kubota. So whenever you need that piece of equipment, big or small uh, for your property, buying it or renting it for that one particular project, they can help you out make sure you've got what you need and how to do it at KrebsKubota.com. Today's show is powered by BetMGM. Uh, like I mentioned, Austin and I are going to have picks for the big game coming up here uh, in just a little while after we talk some NFL honors. And if you have a pick for the big game, make sure you are putting it on BetMGM. Use BetMGM. Use the King of Sportsbooks and the bonus code ATOZ Sports to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If that bet, your first bet, doesn't win, uh, whatever your bet amount can go back into your account in the form of a bonus bet and you get a second chance to win big. Uh, that's the best way to do sports betting. So uh, this weekend, make sure you're signing up with BetMGM and BetMGM.com and using the bonus code ATOZ Sports. All right, so Sam, NFL Honors uh, Awards, we want to ask, who is the biggest snub from those awards? I'll put them up on the screen one more time uh, right there. Lamar, MVP, we knew that. Joe Flacco, Comeback Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Miles Garrett, Offensive Player of the Year, Christian McCaffrey, Rookies of the Year, Defense, Will Anderson, and Offense, C.J. Stroud, and Coach of the Year is Kevin Stefanski. Uh, I'll send you the chat first. Uh, what's everybody saying about the biggest snub? And Sam, feels like you have a a pretty strong opinion about one of these two. So what's the chat saying about the biggest snub? Well, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is it was shockingly close on multiple occasions here. When you looked at some of the voting, I feel like the voting for the NFL awards is usually 
relatively like unanimous. There's a clear front runner or at least a, a clear first place finisher that gets the majority of the votes. Uh, but uh, let's see, coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski had the exact same vote total as D'Amico Ryan's and Stefanski won because he had one more first place vote than D'Amico mm. Ryan's, but their totals were the same because more people had D'Amico Ryan's in the second place than they had Kevin Stefanski. Joe Flacco had less first place votes for comeback player of the year than DeMar Hamlin did, but had way more second place votes. And so he ended up getting the win. Uh, then there was a pretty even split across. Uh, I know defensive player of the year and defensive rookie of the year were both very close as well. Uh, so the chat, Jeff thinks D'Amico Ryan should have been coach of the year. Uh, American Top thinks the MVP was a joke. Uh, we got, uh, let's see, Deshaun says Baker was snubbed for comeback player of the year. He was in the I think, real quick, I think comeback player of the year had some really good candidates. Like I see the bear, like I think Baker's a great one too. Cause, and, and to kind of go back a step further, we have to understand that these awards are voted on pre playoffs. Yes. Right. So, so Baker's that, good playoff performance, right. Probably elevated him in the public eye, but, um, yeah. and then same thing with Lamar, right? Like I saw Karen Asta earlier, like, Oh, did Lamar deserve to win MVP? MVP. I mean, this is before he uh, peed down his leg in the AFC championship game. So people were voting upon uh, what he did to get the Ravens to the number one seed in the AFC, uh, which won him the MVP award overall. Uh, let's see. We have Dak Prescott snubbed for MVP. Uh, Nick just doesn't think Miles Garrett deserves defensive player of the year. Jay says D'Amico Ryan should be coach of the year. Brock Purdy was snubbed for MVP, says Steven Rodriguez. Uh, let's see. We got Rooney says Baker. Demario says Christian McCaffrey, maybe for MVP because he did win offensive player of the year. Uh, Jason says TJ Watt for defensive player of the year. Derek also says TJ Watt. I see Baker from Deshaun again. Uh, let's see. D'Amico Ryan's from Lee. Baker from top tier. Uh, let's see. We Deron Bland for defensive rookie of the year is an interesting one from Caleb. Um, let's see if we got anybody else. Uh, Reggie Wayne missing out on the Hall of Fame. Demar Hamlin got snubbed. I saw somebody else say Antonio Gates as a Hall of Fame snub. That Hall of Fame class was not on there, but both of those right. guys, um, Amon Ross St. Brown, Brock Purdy, D'Amico Ryans. Uh, I'm happy with the Hall of Fame class because uh, three. Chicago Bears are in there, including my guy, Devin Hester. Uh, it's about time. It's about time the greatest special teams player of all time got into the Hall of Fame. Uh, but looking at this list, Austin, I am I don't understand how TJ Watt is not the defensive player of the year in the NFL. I, I really don't, I don't get. Not that I don't get the Miles Garrett love. Obviously, he's such a special player. But I think it's kind of a slam dunk if you're looking at who the best pass rusher in football is. And it's TJ Watt. I don't think it's particularly close. He's now led the league in sacks in three of the last four years. He had more sacks, more tackles, more TFLs, more forced fumbles than Miles Garrett. He pretty much single-handedly carried the Steelers who had Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, and one of the worst offenses into the, in the sport, into the playoffs with his dominant defensive performance. 
And I would have loved to see how they looked in that playoff game had TJ Watt been able to play in it. I Like, that is the biggest snub to me. It, it, maybe there's some sense of, like, LeBron syndrome with yeah. TJ Watt where it's like he's been the best player in the NFL for – four years now defensively. And it's like, well, we don't want to give it to the same guy every year. So they take right. an opportunity to give it to miles Garrett, but it's not like it was close. I mean, it, I, I don't know. So here's where, like what I don't want to happen. I don't want the defensive player of the year award to be a sack leader of the year award. That's sure. not, that's not what this should be. So I think sack totals get the hell out of here. Like I do not care about sack totals because we watched Jason Babin in 2011 have 12 and a half sacks for the Tennessee Titans. And he was a, he was a one trick pony sack guy, pass rusher who got lucky and got really good on 15 snaps a year. Right. But what you said about TJ Watt of having more forced fumbles, more tackles for loss on top of the sacks, more total tackles, that makes sense. A bigger impact overall on the game. Miles Garrett is the best player on the best defense in the league, but TJ Watt makes the Pittsburgh Steelers relevant and makes the Pittsburgh Steelers have a chance to win a game. And yeah, like I think so, he's he might not be on the best defense, but they're a good defense, and I'm probably only a good defense because of him. Like they're probably like that Pittsburgh team is probably like a league average defense that TJ Watt elevates into being like a defense you have to game plan totally. for eight weeks out. <laughs> like you're you're circling the calendar. We did the same thing looking at the Titans schedule. Uh-oh, at Pittsburgh. Uh, gonna have to figure out how to how to deal with that one. Like, and TJ Watt is such a big part of that. Yeah, so I think TJ Watt and Steven says maybe Steven must have just under misunderstood what, what said what Austin Watt is a game changer. Yeah, no, I was making my point for TJ Watt. I just don't want defensive player of the year to be a sack contest. In general, yeah. You're not yeah, saying that like, as a knock of TJ Watt. You're just saying in general. It's more than that. Yeah. It's more than that. And so but I don't think that's the biggest snub. Is that your answer for biggest snub? Yeah, it is. I, uh, so, I mean, I, we'll get into whatever you, th I'm interested in seeing where you go because I think I can make a case for everybody else on this list as the right, the correct winner of, of the award. I think the Browns got way too much love. Okay. So I'm guessing you're Flacco's the comeback player of the year. Sure. No question. So you're out, you're out on Kevin Stefanski as coach yeah. of the year. Yeah, look, and look, they didn't they didn't win a division. They came close. They came close, but they didn't. Like they like the AFC North is just littered in this entire freaking list, right? Like you, I mean, look at all that. But yeah, right. But you are in a division with three playoff teams, the MVP, and you use four quarterbacks no, in the I, season I, I, where your quarterback for the back half of the season was on his couch when you broke training camp. That right there is the type of, and, and not just, they didn't just float with Joe Flacco. They elevated with Joe Flacco. And again, regular season award. So the Browns losing in the first round of the playoffs to the Houston Texans probably would have pushed D'Amico Ryans over Kevin Stefanski for a lot of voters had they voted after 
the uh, wild card round of the playoffs. But I think if you're going off the the regular season, what Kevin Stefanski did with four different quarterbacks um, without Nick Chubb, no Nick Chubb and a fourth string quarterback, that's crazy impressive what the Browns did. I'm not saying it's not impressive, but I my vote for coach of the year would have probably gone to D'Amico Ryans because of how they were able to win the division. They weren't favored to win the division. They were able to steal the division away from the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were able to do that with a rookie quarterback, a rookie head coach, and a lot of other, like, like what? how many games did the Texans win last year? Like three? Yeah. Four? Uh, four, I think. And then they won the division? Like, I think that is a coach of the year of, like, I don't know how – if, if that doesn't win coach of the year, man, then, then that sucks for D'Amico Ryan to just have a coach of the year type performance in the same year of Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think D'Amico Ryan has a great case for it. Uh, I think then like if you're making an argument against D'Amico Ryan's, it would be uh, he had the benefit of having CJ Stroud uh, and having a, an offensive coordinator like you know, Bobby Slowick, and he's a defensive guy that was probably carried by a very, like, that ca- carried, don't use carried the way that, like, people use carried now in culture. He was a defensive head coach whose team was carried by a very successful offense to get to the playoffs. So I think if you're just, like, looking at an argument against him for being coach of the year, you probably credit more of the Texans' success to what they did offensively. Um and so, yeah, you can make the same case for the Cleveland Browns with Jim Schwartz, as MB says in the chat. But what they were able to do offensively late in the year to elevate and become a crazy good offense on a fourth quarterback without Nick Chubb uh, is a huge credit to Kevin Stefanski that I think makes it a really interesting. Like, So this is why I go with uh, TJ Watt to me. If D'Amico Ryans would have won the award, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. I also don't really have a problem with Kev, uh, Kevin Stefanski winning the award here. Mm-hmm. To me, TJ Watt is a clear choice over Miles Garrett, which is why I give him the edge in this case. That's fair. I, I no, it's good logic. Like, like yesterday, I said, would if the Titans walk away on the first night of the draft and drafting Brock Bowers, you're going to be mad. Uh, might be bad. I'm not I'm mad. I'm not going to be mad. You're happy taking a tight end at seven overall. Instead I'm of happy with taking Brock Bowers at seventh overall. All right. He might be Cole Komet. That's all I'm saying. Oh, there's no way in hell. Go look at Cole Komet in college versus Cole. Brock Bowers in college. Cole there Komet's is no ridiculous. He might ridiculous. be Cole Komet. He might be Cole no, Komet. There's no way. There's no way. That is insane. All right. Uh, Sam, let's go ahead and get to uh, our betting GM pick for this game coming up on Sunday. But real quick, let's go ahead and uh, give some more love to what you got coming up here at 2 o'clock. Yep, so 2 o'clock, we teased it a little bit earlier. Uh, I've sit down with Titans running back Tajay Spears to uh, just kind of talk shop a little bit, talk rookie season, talk uh, about his first year in the NFL, about moving forward with the Titans, about working with Derrick Henry, about Las Vegas and spending some time with his dad and what his plans to improve are. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Tajay is one of the 
hot names around the NFL right now to have a big, big breakout season. So what goes into Tajay's offseason and what changes could we see from the Titans running back heading into 2024? So uh, a good little, it's like a 10 to 15 minute sit down that I've got with Tajay coming your way. Titans at two. It'll debut right at 2 p.m. on A to Z Sports on YouTube and Facebook. All right, so Sam, I just opened up my BetMGM app and I saw that I have a 58% odds boost for the game on Sunday. Mm. So I have a 58% odds boost for the game on Sunday? Because it's the 58th version of the game. Ooh. 58% odds boost for the game. So there's a max stake of $25, right? And so I think what we should do here is find out where should we put that 58% odds boost? Because, for example, if you use it for a regular um, minus 110, let me see if I can get this thing figured out here uh, of how I can you know game this thing for us. Uh, oh, it's a, it's a same-game parlay boost. So okay. it's a 58% same-game parlay boost. So that's going to be a big deal there. So a minus or a plus 100 same-game parlay will be boosted up by like till plus 158, right? So that's that's the odd. So that's how you're going to use it. I'm going to turn my plus 650 parlay into a <laughs> into a I'm just, just so okay, you you're plus 1000 parlay. Austin Austin loves to use BetMGM in uh this smart way where he finds a parlay that has favorable odds and he can tease it up to like even money and then use a boost to get himself some profit and just yeah. cash in chunk by chunk i'm trying to hit a grand slam every time i, I open time. the app every time i open it for it all baby <laughs> yeah exactly i'm like right. ah, plus 550 that's not rich enough for me i need oh, to go man. bigger all right so, so. sam I'll, I'll let you start you don't have to go with the same game parlay odds boost because you know that takes more time. But what do you like for this game, Niners and Chiefs on Sunday? Uh, two leg, same game parlay, Niners and Chiefs. It's a simple one, but I'm not overthinking this. Christian McCaffrey to score and the 49ers to win the football game. Those are my two. Uh, I am ecstatic to see the discourse when Brock Purdy wins a Super Bowl. And I understand it is Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. It's Patrick Mahomes in the game of all games. It's Patrick Mahomes for a ring and for a championship. And that's a tough guy to bet against. I have said from the start of the year, I think the 49ers are the best team in the sport. And I'm trying not to overthink it just because it's the big game. I think they are more depth. They're more talented in the trenches. They have better skill positions. I think they will find a way to simplify this game for Brock Purdy, who I think will rise up to the moment. And the 49ers are going to win this game. Also, Christian McCaffrey is going to score a touchdown. You can take that to the bank. All right, so, so your same game parlay that you put together, McCaffrey anytime touchdown, probably right around Niners money line, plus 120. Love now, it. With that... With the 50% odds boost, that's plus 189. So that's a pretty good number right there. I like that. I that's have a hard double time. up on just like the 49ers to win or triple your money, essentially. Yeah, uh, no doubt about that. I I have a hard time seeing Travis Kelsey not score a touchdown in this game. Huh. 
It is a narrative touchdown type of game for Travis Kelsey. But near even money, Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown minus one fifteen. And I don't think it's a bad idea for a Travis Kelsey uh, uh, first Chiefs touchdown. Uh, that there's, I'm trying to find that if I can figure out uh, Travis Kelsey props. I mean, seven receptions is minus one fifty five. To record the first Chiefs reception is plus 200. I think there's a lot of Travis Kelsey opportunity here. So my official pick is Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown at minus 115. I just feel like that's a very smart thing to have on your charcuterie board of bets for the weekend. Yeah. Because that's what this weekend is, right? This, This is the weekend where I have a notepad and I write down all of my bets on the notepad so I can physically have it. See, what I I do is I like to do, uh, I put my my bets into a notes app, like the notes app of the phone. I screenshot it and then I use the screenshot and I use the little marker tool that lets me check them off green (laughs) and red. And so I'm going through and I'm showing my boys. I'm like, a lot of green on the app this afternoon. A lot of green. That's the um, younger generation version of my note. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe I should probably graduate into using my phone for that instead of the pen yeah, and paper. And, hey, Travis Kelsey touchdown, whoever you are, like that is something that you should have out there because, you know, if you are a, a cheap supporter, you've got that. If you're a Taylor Swift supporter, you've got that. If you're a Taylor Swift hater who's watching this game and you're one of you get this joker off the screen every time they show her on the television, uh, you can at least win money when it happens. Like, I feel like that's a way to hedge your personal interests. Uh, but I do got to say, American Puff says, oh, I thought Sam was a Swifty. No self-respecting Swifty would root against the Chiefs. I've had to try and explain this ad nauseum here to my fiance of, look, my disdain for the Kansas City Chiefs far outlasts the Taylor and Travis relationship. The, the, the level that I will go to, to root against the franchises that always win and have the most spoiled fan bases ever. It has no end. And Patrick Mahomes kind of being a poor sport earlier this year with the offsides penalty and complaining about how it's the, how how it's the, the worst call he's ever seen when Kadarius Tony is clearly a yard and a half off sides, which just is digging the knife in a little bit deeper. So love Travis, love Taylor. Hope they have not the best day on Sunday in Vegas. All right. So Devin says he's going to feed us the perfect bet. We'll make that Devin's good news. So Sam, let's go ahead and get to ain't that good news to wrap up, wrap up our week and send us all to a big Super Bowl weekend. Here we go. County Hyundai, WilsonCountyHyundai.com is where to go to make them a part of your new co buying process. So, Seaman in Lebanon or online at WilsonCountyHyundai.com. So, if you've got your good news, please share your good news in the chat for us. Uh, I'm keeping my eye out for Devin's perfect bet that he's going to feed us for the game on Sunday. So, uh, good news, good news, good news. Jeff Rubel starts us off with good news. He says, good news. Is this the week my good news or shade is read for the first time in four weeks? The bang. There you go, Jeff. That's uh, on using so glad he used it on that. <laughs> who won? Who played who? You played yourself there, Jeff. But uh, there's your good news. So, Sam, uh, as good news continues to flow in, do you have good news this week? 
is it bad if I say that my good news is a Super Bowl party that like if you're looking I, forward I, to it. I'm I'm always looking forward to to that. Like it's just good. Like the idea of some charcuterie is like top tier for me. That that's what I look forward to. That's my happy place in life. Uh so uh, that's one good news. I'd say my other good news that is teetering on a bad news is just I got, I've got a lot of travel planned coming up here and it's exciting don't get me wrong it's a, it's the dog days of the nfl uh kind of calendar right now where you're just trying to get to the interesting stuff so it's good to have some things on this on the schedule that you're getting around but I, i've got some trips stacking up now that are starting to fill up my calendar that i'm kind of like looking i'm like ooh, that's stressing me out a little bit so that's good news but i'm tentatively a little nervous about it all right uh let's see we've got danny says good news it's a super chilly day chill day at work when i didn't get much sleep last night sometimes it's the little things yep uh, i don't disagree uh with that ronnie says good news it's super bowl time my favorite time of the year even though i don't like either team uh mr jones says good news vols basketball heating up in the incident is about to get uh, ko'd by the legal system <laughs> That's that's great. Uh, Jason says, uh, good news, only one more weekend with uh, Swift. Well, I mean, no. Taylor Swift Taylor ain't going anywhere, Swift Jason. Is year-round. There is no off-season for Taylor Swift. Uh, the, the NFL off-season is when, you know, Jason doesn't have it. Uh, Nick says, good news, went back to his alma mater Monday night to watch K-State beat hated Kansas the same day that his Royals extended oh. Bobby Witt 11 years. Sam, AL Central about to be dominant. Ah, why did I read this? Because now Sam's about to go off on a rant about baseball. And I honestly, Sam, before you start, and I'm going to delay your timeout by 15 seconds, I saw the Bobby Witt news, and my first reaction was, who the hell is Bobby Witt? That, that is what okay, I feel well, about. Don't tell on yourself. Don't tell on yourself <laughs> there. Uh, I'm like the youngest player ever to go like 30-30 in a season, basically. Oh, okay. Uh, hey, I, I don't blame you. He's a Kansas City Royal. Yeah, uh, right. He's like a Sacramento King. True. <laughs> the Royals are unfortunate. I hate to break this to Nick. I really do. I hate to do this to Nick. They're not winning the AL Central. They're overrated. This hype. And that's today. Hype, that's this week's conversation for Major League Baseball. Well, yeah. hey, hey, one more thought. One more thought. One more thought. <laughs> hey, I am not going to. I can't boast my team's not going to win the AL Central either, but I can promise you I'll eat my A to Z sports hat if the Kansas City Royals win the AL Central in 2024. It's not going to happen. And Justin comes in with a brand new my good news here with, that I completely oh. forgot about. The White Sox are building a new stadium, Austin. A brand new stadium in the South Loop in one of the popping parts of Chicago with right on the river where you can take ferries to the games and there's a, a L station right outside and they're going to spend billions of dollars on it and actually create a community around it. Similar to the battery in Atlanta, you're going to be a block from the Sears tower. You're going to have a beautiful view of the skyline. I'm pumped. I saw the renderings. I am pumped. It's in the best part of the city, just like the, the sightseeing, Two blocks down that way, you're going to have like Millennium Park and Grant Park and Soldier Field and uh, the, the water. You're going to have the river running through. 
It's going to be great. I'm, I'm fired up. That's, that's my good news. Uh, that uh, concludes the baseball talk. There you, there you. I did see this. Uh, Jacob says, this is some Taylor Swift stuff. And uh, one of our writers did a, did a work on this. Sophie Weller put this together about the number 13. The Super Bowl is on February 11th. So the month two plus 11th day is 13. Subtract 13 from 100 and you get 87. Kelsey's number, the Super Bowl, 58. Five plus eight equals 13. Taylor attended 12 games this year. The Super Bowl will be the 13th game she attends. So her number is 13. And Brock Purdy's number 13, though. Yeah, but he's not on the, the Chiefs. This is the Chiefs. That, that's, but that's the counterpoint. All the math might be adding up to 13, but Brock Purdy might. Taylor Swift wins. She knows that the number 13 wins. But is this the time that number 13 is on the other team? Uh, I mean, it could be. That would be the narrative. One, one of the two are going to happen. Either if the 13 happens and it's, oh, look at the Chiefs, or the 13 happens like, nope, it wasn't that. It was Brock Purdy. I think uh, what so- you need to do is uh, get on BetMGM, as Nick says here, and just bet both teams minus 12 and a half. Ooh. That way, when the, they win by 13, you're hitting – I don't know if it's going to be a Niners win by 13 or a Chiefs win by 13, but somebody's going to win by 13. And if you bet both teams minus 12 and a half, you're looking at some good profit there. The Niners are plus 350 minus 12 and a half. Mm. The Chiefs- and it's good because it doesn't have to – like you don't have to – Hit it exactly. They could win by two scores. And the Chiefs minus ten is three seventy five. It doesn't go all the way up to mm. minus. See that that is what I'd be begging to bet on right now is yeah. Chiefs minus twelve and a half so that they can win by thirteen exactly. Well, here's Devin's bet because he said he was going to give it to us. Ten dollar bet. Kittle, McCaffrey, Kelsey, and Mahomes rushing touchdown is plus six forty eight. I do like Kittle to score too. Well, the win $648, not plus $648. Yeah. So that's a uh, big bet. I don't like that though. That's the Mahomes rushing touchdown, touchdown is, uh, is not my favorite. The The problem that I would say with that with this bet, Devin, because we see this a lot, is that sometimes you get in these Super Bowls and teams are pulling out everything. And so it's not quite as simple as like McCaffrey touchdown, Kelsey touchdown, Kittle touchdown. It's like no. we drew up something to get Juwan Jennings the ball on an end around. Rasheed Rice. And he's why I do. Well, yeah, Rasheed Rice would be awesome. But it like the Chiefs Rice, will probably roll, draw something up and McCole Hardman's going to score. And right. you're and if McCole Hardman scores, your Chiefs you're bet done. is screwed now. <laughs> yes, like, you're done. Yeah, I, I so I don't like that. That's too many. It's too many things. It's a, you're, you're banking on like six touchdowns being scored in the game. And that's starting to be a little, uh, and Jason says it's only 10 bucks. So yeah, it's fair. It's only 10 bucks, but uh, you know, it's just not something I'd want to waste $10 on. I'd rather it's a Chipotle burrito you're throwing out the window. <laughs> it's a 12 pack or a six pack of a beer that you might like. Uh, so my good news is that uh, tonight going out with the family and celebrating my mom's birthday. Uh, so that's what we're doing uh, later on this evening. So going to have, uh, some dinner and uh, not sure exactly where we're going tonight, but that's what's going to be happening. So that's my good news here on this Friday to send us into Super Bowl weekend uh, as uh, yeah, as February keeps on trucking along. It's great news. Happy birthday thank to you. your mother. Well, thank you. I'm sure she appreciates, appreciates that Sam. So, all right, one more time, Sam Titans at two with Tajay Spears is coming up later today at 2 PM with Sam. 
a great interview. Tajay maybe teasing something he's going to be doing this offseason on Titans at 2. So we'll hear from that. Uh, get ready for that on these same channels right here. And also make sure you hit that thumbs up button uh, before you leave the show today. Like the show. We always need more likes on the show, more people watching who have hit that button. So please, do us a favor, hit the like button, and we'll see you guys on a Monday. Sam, we'll see you later. 615 sessions later as well. And then uh, we'll catch you guys later on. Appreciate it as always.